Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky, the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Welcome to the Eagles Power Hour. With us today, we have one of probably the most prestigious guests we have, you know, on, on the episode. Wouldn't you agree, Rusty? Yeah, I would say definitely up there. All right. Well, yeah. So, Rusty, how was your weekend real quick? And then we'll introduce our guest. Oh, my weekend was pretty laid back. Uh, recently, just uh, dealing with like a little knee injury. So, been taking it pretty easy around the house. But I, I saw you, uh, you had a little Instagram picture. You burning your legs up on the beach. Is that right? Oh yeah, we um so we're in Houston, so it's only like an hour from the Gulf. Um, so we we went camping at the beach, you know, we set up our SUV tent and all that jazz, and then uh started pouring down raining, so we did not stay the night. We we were kind of babies, and we're like, we need to go back home and relax by the couch. So it was good. I got burnt for at least five hours, so it was nice. All right, well, well, guys, I gotta say, I I'm pretty excited for this caliber of a guest. You know, we've had. A couple people from Eastern Washington and Big Sky, some administrative people, some coaches, but we have a guy that really needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He is a coach of the 2020 Men's Basketball Big Sky Champions. He is the Big Sky Men's Basketball Coach of the Year. ESPN just came out with an article, and he is a top 11 coach under 40, um, and What's a really crazy stat, and I think Eastern Washington fans will love this, is right now he has the best winning percentage at Eastern Washington men's basketball since the famous Red Reese back in the 1940s through the 1960s. Welcome to the show, Mr. Shante Leggins. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. That's an entrance. I need you at home so my wife knows <laughs> what's going on. So she give me some love, man. Uh, hey, uh, you no, know. I, I, thanks for the entrance. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a you know hourly wage, and every time you walk in the room, I'll just give you that entrance. There you go, man. I'm telling you right now, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, you know that's that's I appreciate that. Um, I love listening to you guys' podcast. I listen to you guys when I'm putting my son to sleep every night. I got to hear Tyler's and Lance, and a lot of the times when you talk about basketball, um, I'm always listening. So it's it's a good podcast. I follow you guys on Twitter, so a lot of you guys' information is right up there. And so I, I like listening to you guys, and it's a it's a lot of fun. My my son probably knows your guys' voices by now because it's always on a speakerphone as I'm walking him, trying to rock him to sleep. So uh, appreciate that that extra no, hour, thirty minutes we get a day. Yeah, I, I actually appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, it's it's yeah. nice to know you know a coach is listening to us. We we just started this because we're fans of Eastern Washington, you know, athletics, and 
Um, I started this because I was really big into football. And of course, I like all sports. But, you know, I brought mm-hmm. on Rusty here. He messaged me and he's he's kind of the basketball guru. So I was like, perfect. Now we have, you know, someone who could talk a lot about football. And now we have someone who could talk a lot about basketball and we're merging it all together. And now we're getting great guests on. Um, so it's been it's been fun the last couple months of what we've been doing. And, you know, only having a guest like you should only improve what we're doing, too. So we appreciate you taking the time out of a, a busy, you know, after Memorial Day weekend to jump on with us. Perfect, man. The content's good. It's fun to listen to. You guys are very knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's fun to listen. I love I love I love the football stuff. I love hearing the stories. It, it's, it's good to listen to. So I'm excited to be on. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you do anything this weekend, you know, just to ease into the conversation or were you guys pretty much locked in the home still uh, not able to do much? Well, me and my family, my wife likes to play tennis. So she likes to go out there sometimes and my kids like to run around while we play. And so we did that a little bit and then uh, just went on a bunch of walks. The weather was got good yesterday. It was kind of bad weather. It's, It's hard to quarantine in bad weather. You know, I'm pretty sure. The way you sound, you got to go burn your legs on the beach. That has sounded a little bit better than sitting in the house and, and trying to, you know, every now and then when it stopped raining to get outside. So he, you're up there living and we're in staying inside. But um, it's been it's been good. Uh, it's just been uh, it was tough this weekend because the weather is pretty bad. See, tennis is one of those sports. It doesn't appear difficult, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I played a couple of times. It's 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 pretty challenging. Oh, my wife's a stud. And so she kicks my butt all the time, but you know, I'm learning, I'm learning. She's getting, I mean, she's very, she's a very good athlete. And so she uh, pretty much beats me almost in, in, in almost some of the, in some of the stuff, not all the stuff in tennis, the sports that I've never played, she could beat me in. So that's, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm sure you can still beat her in basketball. <laughs> she, she was a hooper, man. She played at Eastern. And so, yeah, she was a ball player. She can get buckets. Now I don't know about defense, but she can play. <laughs> she can really score the ball. And so um, it's pretty hard to guard it when we play. So speaking of a little bit of Eastern Washington basketball re- real quick, I heard a story from one of my buddies. Um, he was saying after every single practice, you used to have shootouts with Tyler Harvey. Who's the better shooter? You or Tyler Harvey? I, I'm way, I'm much better shooter. Where you think he learned <laughs> My from? man, oh, come my, on, man. my where, man. Where did he learn it from? I ain't gonna give him that title. He might be able to beat me in one on one, but not in shooting. There we go. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> he is one of, you know, the, like, one of the best shooters around. But it's been, uh, we always shot. You know, I, I, I would cheat. You know, I cheat to beat him. You know, can't. I mean, as, as being an adult, you could always, you know, change the rules as you go. So. <laughs> Whenever a shot got important, it'd be five with five points if I got to shoot and with one if he got to shoot. So I'll, I'll keep claiming that I've never lost to him in a shooting contest. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's awesome. So I had a quick yeah. question, just kind of going back to the, we we're talking about tennis uh, with the wife and competition level. What's the competition like in the Leggings uh, household? Oh, it's, it's, it's beyond, it's, it's beyond what you would think of, of normal people. Um, you know, we, 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 competed with every, everything we do is a competition, you know, um, you know, now that we have a son and a daughter, it's really going to be tough as they grow up because it's going to be two against two forever, two on two. And so, you know, the kids are going to get it. And, and you know, when we have people around, we play these games, we will have a family night and or a game night and have people over and then they, they see how we really get, especially if we're not on the same team. And so, it turns out to be a very, it's, you know, people think it's an aggressive night. And when people leave, they're like, oh, man, what a, <laughs> what a drain. And me and Tia, me and my wife are thinking, what a fun night. We got to do it again. And people with us like, nah, I don't want to go back over there for game night. 
they get a little too serious. So we we do we do get very com- competitive in the house, um, but it's a it's a good competitive because it really keeps uh, it keeps in perspective because you know there's no domination one way or another. Ping pong cards. I mean, we do everything. Everything's a competition. Rochambeau to see who has to change diapers, all that kind of fun stuff. And so um, it's always a competition, and then then the trash talk begins when you lose. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a fun house sometimes. Also a very upsetting house. <laughs> Don't lose. Don't lose. That's yeah. the motto. Don't lose. My, my wife and I get a little too competitive and she just um, stops playing games with me now. She's like, until you learn to control your competitiveness, you know, I'm just not going to play with you. So, you know, I'm playing board games by myself now, you know, whatever I can do to pass the time during this COVID Believe me, man, it's 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 fun. And then sometimes though, you know, somebody gets accused of cheating and then it turns into this whole thing. And so we just try to uh, we just try to keep it keep it happy as long as we can before the before the games start because once those start, everything's out the window. Yeah, yep, that's sure. business is uh business is normal there for sure. <laughs> yes. So I let's 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 bring it back a little bit. Let's talk about a little high school ball. Uh, you play. You were a Charger. Uh, played at uh, Dos Pueblos High School. Is that correct? Pueblos, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, what, what's the what was the basketball scene like? Uh, just northwest of Santa Barbara. Um. Well, it's so it's funny because Dos Pueblos is in Galita. Galita, you know, homes UCSB, and so it's it's literally like Cheney, Spokane. It's 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 basically it's just right except for Galita's a little bigger <clears throat> and just has a, you know, it just, it just flows right into Santa Barbara. So it's basically the same thing. And so the basketball scene, when I was growing up, obviously there was a great basketball scene, but you know, our, our, our place was known for, you know, great weather, tourist town. We had some really good water polo teams and really good volleyball players that made national teams. And so we, we had great athletes, just not, not on the basketball not on the basketball scene as much. And, you know, there's some good players that that's come before me and obviously some very good players after. Uh, but during that time, um, <clears throat> you know, when I, when I went and played and did everything, I played with my high school team, but my mother would drive me two hours every weekend down to LA so I could play with an AAU team called the LA Rockfish. And so that's where I got a lot of my, you know, introduction to a lot of players that, you know, that, that were, you know, so-called the best players in the state. So, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So the, so I got I got a little bit of the boat. I got a little bit of uh, to get to see everything because I got to play on my high school team where I would average like thirty points and I'd go down to LA and and get to see what you know those guys are doing. They're really really good players and so I feel like during my high school years I got the best of uh, the both worlds because I got to see what it was like to be the man, but then also got to see what it was like to play with guys who were just as good as me or maybe even better. So what was it like uh, being you know recruited? When did the recruiting start happening for you? Because obviously, you know, you went to a P5 school. Um, and then also after that, so it's kind of a two-part question. Yeah. What, what have you learned from recruiting that now you implement since you're a coach? So anything that, you know, you liked or didn't like when you were being recruited out of high school, that you're taking that and, you know, bringing it to, to the high school level while, while you're recruiting now? Well, the recruiting, the recruitment part, I started getting recruited. Uh, I got my first letter. Um, going into my sophomore year from Brown University. Again, I didn't even know where Brown University was. I thought it was, I had no idea. And then you yeah. hear it's an Ivy League school, and I didn't know what the heck they were thinking. Maybe because I was from Santa Barbara, they thought I had some Ivy grades. I don't know. Um, but 
you know, that was uh, that was my very first letter. I kept it. I framed it. It was something pretty cool. Um, I know kids nowadays, they get everything from letters to all this stuff. But it was my very first letter. Um, and then the recruitment started coming because I played on that Los Angeles Rockfish team. And I got to play nationally in a lot of places. And, you know, I got recruited by, you know, all kinds of schools. Um, it was weird because a lot of schools in California didn't recruit me. And, you know, I wanted obviously to stay in California. So a lot of schools didn't recruit me, but I got recruitment from Maryland. I got recruitment from, you know, big schools. Um, Gonzaga recruited me. Coach Few was an assistant at the time. I, I would go back and my mom had all the all the letters from Coach Few and, and, and that kind of stuff. So that was kind of cool to be able to, when I started coaching, to meet him in person. Um, but the recruitment picked up around my sophomore year, uh, going into my junior year, because I got to play in all these events. Um, against some of the top players, and I, I had a good showing, and so that that makes it pretty easy. Um, and then, obviously, with the recruitment, <clears throat> you know, I, I like to recruit the way, um, you know, the coaches that recruited me that I really liked, and I I really made connections with were you know were coaches that were honest. Um, they didn't always tell me what I wanted to hear, like "Oh, you're great," and they blow smoke all over the place and tell you how terrific you are. They'd come to a game and watch you play, and you knew you played horrible, but they would tell you how good you played. I hated those coaches. Yeah. You know, I thought those coaches wouldn't get you any better. And, you know, I wanted to be the best basketball player I can be. I didn't think of anything else besides basketball. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of the kids nowadays, they, they, they have the same thought process, but they got a little bit more things going on in their lives than I did, you know, um, with trying to be a basketball player and, and everything they have now to, to be able to become such a good basketball player, you got to do all these other extra things. For us, growing up, you just got to play basketball. You didn't have the, the special way to the the, pro, the workout programs and all this other stuff that you drive to do all this stuff to do now. And so, you know, I just try to be honest with the kids while recruiting them. I try to be upfront with them. Uh, I try to make sure I get on calls with guys because a lot of the times when a head coach gives you a call, um, it, it, it it symbolizes something of more importance, um, which I didn't, you know, is, is crazy to me because if any of our assistants call somebody, that means that they were really interested. And so, you know, being able to get on the phone with some coaches, uh, I mean, some players and be able to tell them my interest and, and what I think about their game. And after watching them play, I think that's, that's the best thing is building up a relationship and, and uh, being honest with the, with the student athlete that you're recruiting, because at the end of the day, um, if you're not honest and these kids, these kids could see through all that stuff because they're all yeah. friends now. You can't tell one guy that you really, you know, this, it's like, imagine all the girls in the world were friends and they all play back, they all together and they talk all the time and they send each other messages and you tell one that you really like them or you like her. And then all of a sudden she tells the other one and now they're all talking to each other. And so, you know, we, 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 we try to keep it honest and we, we try not to throw a bunch of a bunch of offers and a bunch of things out out there because we we want really want to recruit the kid that you know we're we're really going for and so you know there's not a lot of offers from us out there to a lot of kids but except for the kids that we really really are looking to try to get um and then once once that happens you know i i all the coaches you know all the coaches recruit the kid not just the one coach who you found him we all try to make sure that you get a chance to talk to the kid maybe there's a connection between so if, if Dave's recruiting a guy and and say Bobby <clears throat> Bobby um, may have a better interest and may have a better deal with that guy than Dave did but even though Dave found him and he has all the contacts maybe he has a better connection with with Dave and so I, what I what I like to do is just have the whole staff recruit the kid and uh, it makes it easy if you only have five or six kids you're out there recruiting instead of like thirty like some of the schools do in our in our league so. 
Um, I think the, our recruiting process is uh, a little different than most, but, you know, I, I just want to recruit it like the, the way I was recruited. That's how I like it. So that's how I want to go out and do the recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're in contact with parents quite a bit. And uh, I remember listening to Adam Morrison, I think it was an interview or on the radio or something like that. And uh, he said that he has parents coming up to him all the time asking him, hey, how can I make my son or my daughter a better basketball player to the best basketball player that they can be? And he said, you know what? This is my advice for those parents is just take your child to the best gym, to the best hoops in the area and just have them get their butts kicked over and over and over again. And they'll either, you know, rise to the the level of competition or they won't. So what's your kind of philosophy on that? That's the best. That's the best to do. I mean, competition brings out the best of you and the worst in you. And so either you're going to get better or you're not going to, you know, you're just going to try to be, you know, okay and, and, and not push yourself. And so, you want the guys that want to compete. And if you look at our roster and you look at our guys, they they all compete very, very hard. They weren't the highly recruited guys like you get some of the, you know, some of these kids that get recruited, um, but they compete more than the other kids. And I think that brings a toughness to them. And so, yeah, definitely, that's how we go and find kids, of, of kids who compete. You know, it's, it's not always <clears throat> the very best sophomore at the time that's going to be the guy that's recruited by us. It's probably going to be that guy that's really working his tail off to catch that guy, and then he surpasses him. And you could say that about a lot of our guys, um, you know, that we've recruited here is, is that's what's happened. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's great advice. And I also tell parents, you know, to, to let their kids, you know, decide and choose and speak for themselves because there's, there's a lot of times that you'll, you'll be recruiting a kid and you'll get put off by the parents sometimes because how much the parents are overbearing. They don't let their kids talk. They don't let – and so you never get the – feel with the kids like you know feeling you always got to hear what the you know the dad or the mom think and you know it it gets a little bit overwhelming sometimes with parents because they they want so much to their kid to be you know special and good and they're already you know doing such a good job because now you're getting a call from a college coach now let the kid get recruited and, and let the kid you know and so that's that's some of the things i would tell the parents to just sit back sometimes obviously if you need to step in and ask some questions about you know the 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 school you know the, how the other kids are treated and things like that let the basketball and all that kind of stuff come from the kid because that's going to be there for the four years and let them try to build that relationship and so those those things the competition and then parents you know just sitting back and you know enjoying the process because you know it, it's hard to get recruited and then when you do get recruited it's it sometimes you know they they parents get overbearing every now and then but you know that's it, how it's got to be and sometimes you know um, you have to, you have to just let back, sit back and let your kid, um, get recruited. I, I mean, I have a son and daughter now, so I don't know how, how I'm going to let that happen. So my <laughs> advice goes straight out the window. I'm going to be all over it with all my questions and, and all that jazz. And, but, um, it, it's, it's one of those deals where it's, it's a great thing because not every kid get, gets recruited. Not every kid is, uh, obviously gets a scholarship to play basketball division one, two, or, or whichever kind of scholarship you get. So they're, they're great when you get them and they're great when you get offers. I just feel that you need to be able to get the most competition. And so we can see kids compete, how they handle adversities during that competition. And then obviously the, the parents play a big role in it too, because they're, they're the ones that have the kids here more, more times than not. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about, you know, getting the most competition. Uh, you definitely got that throughout your college uh, playing career at California. I mean, you played 95 games at California, started in 57, averaging nine points per game, just over four assists per game. And then uh, you were 
at Fresno, transferred to Fresno, 29 games, 29 games started, 15 points per game, just over five and a half assists per game. And just looking at the talent of guys that were drafted in the <laughs> NBA that you played against was absolutely ridiculous. And just let me say a couple of names just because as I was going through it, it just I took a trip down memory lane. Matt Barnes, Gilbert Arenas, Jason Capono, Luke Walton, Sleem Stoudemire, uh, Channing Fry, Fred Jones, Luke Ridnour, Luke Jackson, uh, Richard Jefferson, Chris Jeffries, just to name a few. I mean, that's, I mean, the, the list goes on. So, yeah. just off of some of the names I was listed, was there any, who was the most talented basketball that you played against during your college career that you had to guard? Well, you know, so when I was a player, uh, you had to guard, you pretty much had to guard the other team's point guard. And so the, the best, the best, uh, the best player that I played against, uh, I don't know if a lot of people would know him, is Speedy Claxton. Um, he played at Hofstra. And, again, he was a small school guy. And you don't, I didn't know a lot about him. I just knew – I didn't even know what Hofstra was. <laughs> and, you know, you had Earl Watson. You had Jason Gardner, who was a freshman of the year of all college basketball, Gilbert Arenas. I had to guard Casey Jacobson and all these guys and Luke Rittner. And they were all unbelievable players. But during that time when I – and I was a freshman. And so I thought I was hot stuff because I was starting as a freshman. I thought I was the man and all this kind of stuff. And we're going against this school named Hofstra. And I'm thinking I'm going for a career high or something like that. And this guy <laughs> named Speedy Claxton comes out and I'm looking at, we're watching film. I'm, you know, you're, you're, I'm 17 years old as a freshman. So I'm ignoring all this stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking like, who's this Speedy Claxton guy? They call him Speedy. What guy, you know? And so we get on the court and I'm looking at him. We're about the same size. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a senior, junior, junior, a senior. And, you know, he's, he's pretty good. And then all of a sudden the game starts, man. And this dude is unbelievable. He played in the NBA for about 10 to 12 years and, and I got drafted by the 76ers. But that was my first experience of, of a guy that was just relentless, just the whole game. And it, it really outlook on things, you know, and how I needed to go about my business and how I needed to do things. And, you know, I tried to reach out to him a couple of times, um, but it wasn't like it is now because I wanted to see the things he was doing, you know, during the off season. That's how good the kid was. And, and uh, it was, it was during college. That was one of the, an eye opening because I played against, you know, like playing against Earl Watson was nothing like playing against Speedy, Speedy Claxton. And Earl Watson was really good, but it was different because the, the whole offense and everything was, you know, put around him. And so mm -hmm. you had to guard a thousand ball screens. You had to guard double coming off. And so that was, a, that was the toughest guy that I had to play. He was an NBA player, um, you know, but it was, it was, a, it was a weird deal because like you said, there are so many players. And even when I was done playing, I still was like, man, this dude is unbelievable. Maybe because, you know, I was younger, but he was really good at that time. And, and uh, he, he really opened my eyes. He was the best guy that ever came off ball screens to me because I hit every single one. I thought I was a pretty good defender until <laughs> until that day. I mean, when you hit every ball screen, when you try to go under and try to go over, <laughs> try to force him away from it, try to deny him the ball. I mean, I tried everything in the in the little thirty minutes I got to play. I tried everything, and it did not it did not matter. It did not matter. Can you guys hear me? Sorry about that. No, oh, you're, yeah, you're we good. can hear you. Oh, my, We're just my listening. wife called. My wife just called. Sorry, I came through the computer, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter what. It didn't matter what. Um, I did. I would try to go under. I would try to go over. I would try to follow the scout. It didn't matter. He was just that good, and, and uh, that's something that that I won't uh, ever forget. And I'm, I'm looking for a point guard right now. I think we got one in, in a couple of our guys, but right now it's like, man, those guys were so good. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah, he won. He won a title with the Spurs, right? 
Yeah, he won the title with okay. the Spurs. He was he was like the you know they had a they had a they had a thing. Uh, Bob Cousy Award. He won that as a senior um, in college. I mean, he was unreal. It was unreal. And a lot of people would always give me a hard time, but I was like, man, this dude was good. Like we played Eddie House. Eddie House had 61 points in the game we played. And I still remember yeah. I didn't guard him. I remember I didn't guard him. Let's make sure of that. But <laughs> you know, he was on the court at the same time I was on the court, but playing against Speedy Claxon was something different. So I, I do have a quick question because my my favorite basketball players, you know, pretty much grew up from UW. Um did you get an opportunity to guard Brandon Roy? Cause you guys are around, you know, PAC 12 around the same time, I believe. And if so, you know, how, how tough was it guarding Brandon Roy on the field? Cause I still think to this day, if his injuries didn't really, you know, hurt him oh. too much in the NBA, he could have been one of the all time greats. The only time we really got to, I think play against him. And I don't even, you know, it was, was pickup ball and in the Bay area, but I don't even, I don't think that, that he was, um, because uh, we played in the sports, this pro-am league in, in the summer. So I don't know for sure if, if he was on that team. I know his name was there. So I, I don't remember playing against him because it was, I think we're at different, different times in college. Um, okay. And so I don't know if he was younger than me or older than me, but I know that uh, if I look, he's, he, actually, I'm pretty sure he was a little bit old, a little bit younger than me. And so um, we may have played at the pro-am together, but I, I, don't, I don't remember playing him, but I do remember watching his game and he was smooth. And he was a guy that didn't seem like he put that much energy towards things and everything came really easy towards easy for him. And his game, like you said, if there was you no know, injuries and all that kind of stuff, I mean, who knows how good he would have been. He was that guy that, you know, he would play great defense. He would come on the other side, get any shot he wanted to handle the ball. Um, just had a real cool demeanor about him. And I think that would have changed, you know, a lot of, a lot of Portland, you know, tr- Portland trailblazers fans, um, you know, they may have won something uh, in, in this time because he was that good. And watching him play, he was a stud. So that's a great, that's a great best player. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just looking back to uh, to all those, you know, Pac-12 teams, the California, the UCLA's, the Arizona, Oregon, Stanford during that time, it was, I mean, those were some just balling teams. Was, who, who did you try to replicate your game from or how would you describe your game back in college? Well, back in college, like when I was coming up, um, you know, I, I had two different ways I could play. Uh, I could, I could was really good score for my high school team and when I needed a score, but I was more, I, I really liked distributing the ball. I love passing. And so, you know, you, you watch guys as you grow up and everyone laughs because, you know, I grew up in the Allen Iverson days, which I loved. I loved watching them play. I grew up in the days of, of guys being able to, you know, it was just now the point guards were just now being guys that were being relied on to score, but I was like one of those old, older type of guys. I love John Stockton's game because he loved the pick and roll, came off and passed it and made guys better. So he was one of the guys I always would watch. Um, you know, I'd, I'd watch obviously Allen Iverson because of the way he would get to the basket. Um, it was, it was mostly small guys, you know, Jay Williams, Jason Williams, when he, when he came up, they call him white chocolate. He was unbelievable with the ball in his hands. And he also loved to pass the ball. He loves, he loved tricking the defender with a pass. You know, everyone loved the crossover. Everyone loved, you know, trying to break your man down with the dribble, make him, you know, break an ankle, do all this. And I loved making the pass that would lead to a basket where the guy couldn't, didn't even know the pass was coming and gets thrown right behind his head and you could finish it. So I, I love those types of players, you know, Magic Johnson, those guys that were distributors at the point guard spot, but then could also go and take it over and score if they needed to. And so those, those guys were the ones I watched a lot of. Um, Guy Rogers, who a lot of guys won't remember, but he was a big time player. And so just as you grow up and you just see things and 
And uh, obviously, you know, being able to, to score 30 points was always great, but I love passing. So I love John. John Stockton was one of my favorite, even though everyone's going to say, well, you're saying that because you're up here. I'm not a big fan of Gonzaga's because they always, you know, they're so good and they're right down the street. You always want to beat them. But watching John Stockton as I grew up um, didn't wasn't wasn't everyone's favorite player. It was probably nobody's favorite player, especially in California. But being able to watch him lead, I mean, his assist record will never be broken. His still record is probably going to never be broken. And that's coming from a guy. Um, you know, that kind of same, you know, same in size, but demeanor probably he's just a ruthless stone cold assassin. And so um, the way he played the game was great. And I kind of, you know, followed him and Isaiah Thomas and in those sense, not, not young IT, Detroit Pistons IT. Yeah. And so um, being able to watch those guys play and work and, and just try to mold your game after them was, was something that you'd see them do something. So you'd come and do that. And, you know, I, I'd be back and forth with those those couple guys. And, you know, any small guard was my favorite guard anyway. So, Yeah, perfect. So when, whenever I watch basketball, you know, and it could be NBA, it could be college, there's always specific player type rivalries. Did you have mm-hmm. any player rivalries throughout your time in college, you know, either at Fresno State or Cal, where whenever you were playing against them, um, there was one specific player, you're, you know, you talked a little bit of smack to you wanted you wanted to guard him better than kind of anyone else. Um, Cause I see that quite a bit in college uh, basketball and even NBA where there, there's yeah. more player type rivalries than team rivalries. Yeah, that's very true. I, I there's, there's two guys there's in the one played at Stanford and one played at Arizona. So Julius Barnes um, played at Stanford and obviously Stanford was like the number was the number one, the number five team in the country every single year that I was at Cal. And so, you know, Julius Barnes, we grew up, we played in the same, you know, s- spring leagues. We, we played against each other, AU basketball all the time. And, he was just one of those guys that was really good. He was about 6'3", 6'2", very bouncy, athletic, um, could really hoop, was a good ball player. So I loved playing against him. And then Jason Gardner at Arizona. And now, um, you know, a lot of people would know who he was if he had left after his freshman year in college, but he decided to stay. Sometimes, see, as a guard, sometimes you have to go um, when, you have, when you're hot because you're a guard. And he was about – he was my size. He was from Indiana. Um, he was the number one player in the country coming out of high school. He's the number one point guard. He was this, that, and the other. Um, and and there was a couple times we played in high school um, down in the AU tournament in Indiana uh, that I just was like, I, don't, I didn't, I didn't get why he was getting so much of the the attention, you know. And you know, I don't know if it was a, a matchup for for me that that I would take so so personally because of where he was at ranked wise, and he was getting all the recruitment. I mean, Indiana, Arizona every big school was recruiting him and I was just, I was watching him and, and, you know, just being a kid at the time, he ain't nothing special. He's just, I mean, shoot, he could dunk a ball at five ten. Wow. You know, it wasn't nothing big, you know? And then, you know, he goes, he goes, in, so I go to Cal and he goes to Arizona. Arizona was recruiting me at the time. Um, but then they took, you know, they, they ended up taking Jason Gardner, which, you know, I, I didn't want to go to Arizona anyway. Um, and so, but they took Jason Gardner and Arizona was known as point guard U at the time because all the point guards that went through their system. Um, and so when, when, when I got the chance to play against him, it would be, and my teammates even knew it because they, a lot of them played with me in high school. And so they, they knew um, how much I, I, I disliked this guy and he probably didn't even know it. It was a rivalry in my own mind. <laughs> he, he probably had no idea who this dude was, who I was. Um, but it was, it was something that I took personal every time I would play him. It didn't matter. You know, if he would score a basket and I was sitting on the bench, I'd be upset. You know, and he probably he had no clue, probably till this day. And um, 
You know, it was one of those deals. He started becoming a coach, and I wanted to play his team just so I could go play him and, and beat him. I mean, that's how <laughs> that's how uh, much of a, a rivalry I had in my own mind of this guy. And so, uh, but it it was something. It was something cool. I got to bump into him on the recruiting trail a little bit ago and, and, and a couple of years back, and tell him, you know, a little bit about how much I hated him. <laughs> so yeah. that was that was a fun conversation. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I'm always curious about that. You know, um, seeing seeing who player players love to play against and stuff like that. But Hey, let's, let's move a little bit more into now coaching and what brought you into coaching. Like I said, in your introduction, you know, you're already now becoming one of Eastern Washington's most successful basketball coaches. And you've only been a head coach for a short amount of time. Um, You know, you've been an assistant with us for a while. So you've been Mm -hmm. at Eastern for a long time. You know, the culture, you you're help establishing a better culture in my opinion, but what's what brought you into coaching then how have you become so successful you know eastern washington basketball has only had four 20 plus win win seasons since i believe like 1990 and you have two of them and you've only been a head coach for three years so yeah let's talk about what brought you into coaching and then you know what what's made that coaching transition so successful for you well growing up um you know my mom was mom was a single mom and so growing up um, a lot of my outlets and, and, and adult male figures were coaches. And, you know, I was I was really lucky with some of the men that that were in my life at those times. And, you know, it's, it's terrible to, you know, grow up with a single parent, obviously, but you, you get through it and and different deals. And, and, you know, you have a very strong mom. And but at the time she she understood she understood that, you know, you needed maybe just a little bit of guidance from some males. And so as I would get into to sports, you know, she would push me towards sports, football, basketball, anything that can go. I, I, I created, created great relationships with, with coaches throughout my life. And still till this day, I'm still connected with a lot of my young coaches like Sal Rodriguez. He started coaching me in probably fifth grade at the Galita boys club. You know, I still talk to him today. I, I, I'm, I'm close with his family and he has two children. So I'm tight with them. Um, you know, Ray Lopes, who was a coach at UCSB, who ended up being my big brother in the big brother and sisters program when I was like in sixth, seventh grade. And so we stayed tight, you know, and so a lot of a lot of you know, a lot of people in my life, um, especially male figures were coaches. And so, you know, I wanted to give back. I wanted to figure out how I can, you know, impact people's lives uh, at the most um, to the core. And so, you know, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a teacher. When I got to college, I wanted to be a teacher and because I felt that that's how you can impact somebody's life. And as I started thinking about, you know, how I, was grow- how I grew up and what was most impactful to me, it was, it was my coach, you know. And, and you know, Lord, Lord knows that I'm, I'm going to meet a bunch of students that are smarter than me if I was a teacher. So I was going to be like, I can't do that. And so I, I started thinking, okay, well, what, how can I be most impactful, um, you know, in, in my career after playing basketball. And so I thought coaching. And so, you know, everybody, every, every, everybody that, that was a coach in my life meant, meant a lot to me. And, and so that's what I wanted to go down and, and do. And so, you know, getting, you know, getting into coaching was something that, that I've been wanting to do since, since probably, you know, you know, into high school, college career. That's what I wanted to do when I was done with everything. I wanted to start coaching. And so that's how I got into it. Um, I wanted to impact people's lives you know, not just on the court, but off the court, because the relationships I have with the coaches I have today um, that, that I grew up with is, is huge. And it, it changed, it molded me into the into the person I am and today. It also molded me into the coach I am today. And so, you know, I've, I've had, I've been lucky um, throughout my coaching career 
um, to be able to, to, to be at one spot. I've only been at Eastern um, as, a, as a college coach. In high school, I coached AAU teams and high school teams, but I got a job, co- Coach Kirk Early one, um, really took a, took a, how do you say, a, uh, a wild shot on me because at the time I had no experience. Um, I was I was only a grad assistant for probably you know six months. Um, right when I was done playing basketball at Fresno State, I was a grad assistant there. Um, I didn't have any college experience, so he just took a a wild just just opportunity. And I thank him till this day. I, I still talk to him a lot, and so he was he was one of the guys. He he got me to Eastern, and so I mean, it wasn't for a lot of money, but it was coaching Division One. You're on the road recruiting and. And so, you know, you, you take that opportunity and then you run with it and you say, I'm going to be the best I could possibly be. And, you know, after a couple of years, you know, they didn't, they didn't renew his contract at Eastern. And so I was kind of sitting in a place where I've had two years of experience. You know, we didn't, um, we didn't win. So it was one of those deals where, you know, in college it's different because if your head coach gets fired, that means you basically, or he gets released or doesn't get signed back. That basically means, you're gone too. And so luckily when, when Jim Hayford took over the job here at Eastern, um, he, he hired me back on because um, if he didn't do that, I don't think I would have kept coaching. I think I would have probably went back home and became a, a high school coach and, and probably became a teacher and, and did it that way and try to get back into it. Um, but we did such a good job and I, you know, he, he was, he did such a good job while he was here um, of, of showing me, you know, how to, how to handle different parts and aspects of coaching. And so I got to learn from Coach Early one. I got to learn from Coach Hayford, and then everything I've learned growing up through through my life. That's where I I, I gained a lot of a lot of my coaching a lot of my coaching um, you know philosophies and a lot of things I developed throughout my whole life. I've been around coaches you know throughout my whole life, and so that that's what makes you know this great and special because you take bits and pieces from everybody that you would do and that you wouldn't do, and then you put it all into how you want to do it. Uh, but you learn so much as as you go along if you're paying attention, and I think I did a good job paying attention um, from a young age of of how to how to treat people and things like that and build a culture. You know, I've been around Kelvin Sampson and his basketball clubs, and he was a fiery. I don't know if you guys know him at all, but he's the coach at Houston, used to coach at UW, mm-hmm. was at Oklahoma, then at Indiana, then he coached in the NBA for a while. He is as fiery as they get, like Ray Lopes. You know, the coach at Fresno State, super fiery. Gets you know gets the most out of his players a different way than I would do it, but that's how you could, you could use him sometimes. And so you grab bits and pieces from, from all the coaches you've ever been around and you try to mold it into your own. And then you try to push that forward and you try to, you try to make people believe in, in what you're doing. And so that's how I think, you know, we've done here. So I've, I've, I've been taught by a lot of great coaches and a lot of coaches that are very successful. I've been lucky down, you know, in, in that, in that regards. Yeah, and you you talk about philosophy and things that you, you that you would do and things you wouldn't do learning from coaches. So where did Coach Leggins or how did you develop or where did you adopt your philosophy of play? And what I mean by that is you don't necessarily run set plays, but you let mm-hmm. guys be, you know, they just let them play, let them be creative, like you stated uh, in the lunch and learn with Larry Weir. And yeah. I personally believe that this is, uh, you know, allows players to use their strengths more and also you could use as a recruiting tool as well because you want players to come to Eastern for their play style. You're not necessarily going to be putting them into a system. Exactly. And so, you know, you, when you recruit, you recruit kids off of, you know, what you think they can be and and the potential, but I recruit kids off of what they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to expand on their game, 
but I, I don't go and recruit a kid that's averaging 30 points a game and that's what he does and bring him here and tell her, hey, you got to be a distributor. You know, that's that's just not, you know, that's not great. Obviously, you want to teach him, but you want him to, you know, expand on his game from high school. And so you want them to be creative. You want you want these players to understand that basketball, I mean, to the to the core is one of the is one of the most creative you know, athletic, just, it's, it's, I, I, lo- I mean, I love watching the game, especially when it's just played, you know, coaches, you know, sometimes, and I'm a coach, and sometimes you get too much credit, and then sometimes you don't get enough credit, but, you know, when you, you got a guy out here, say, say, for instance, Jacob Davidson, or one of these guys goes down baseline, jumps in the air from one side of the block, goes up, they go and try to block the shot on one side of the basket, he floats in the air and comes and finishes on the other side of the basket with an easy layup. That has nothing to do with me. I did not teach that kid that. You know, I've, I've never been in that situation in my life, so I don't know what that feels like. And you can't coach that, and so you got to let those guys be creative because that's what makes the game entertaining. That was makes the game fun, and that's what it should be like. And it shouldn't be like you got to run a set every time down the court, or you got to do this, or you got to do that. You got to be able to play and be. And it's an, it's an instinctful game, and you could be taught it. You can learn how to play the right way, and that's why you find different players. Now, on the defensive end, um, it's something that, you know, it, it should be done the correct way. Obviously, you got to gamble and do things like that, but that's the way. That's the side that, you know, you want guys to, to make sure they're doing it right. you got to be in help side. you got to be here. you got to be in the right positions because you're trying to stop the other team. But offensively, I mean, that's, that's where the creativity comes. That's where the fun comes. That's where the oohs and the ahs from the crowd and – and, and all that kind of stuff comes on the offensive end, obviously a great block shot, this and that, but you know, you got to let those young men play because um, it, it, it's, it's what makes the game fun. It's what makes people enjoy playing is that. And if you take that from them and, you know, if you take that, if you take that creativity from them, it, it changes their, their, their look of the game. And, you know, I've been in, in systems as a player that we've gotten to do both. And I hated playing with a thousand plays. I mean, it's just not how you should play the game. I, in my opinion, um, you know, some coaches love to love to say, hey, we're going to run this, this and this and this is how we're going to get it. I'm going to get a shot exactly for you. And this is how we're going to get it. And they, they love that. But sometimes you just got to go out there and just play. And, you know, if you're watching us play, sometimes the game's close. I'm not calling a timeout. There's no reason to. The guys know that if they score two points, they're going to win by one. I mean, it's that simple of a thing. Let's you know, you want them in the right positions. You want them to do the right things. But I think teaching them how to play. And teaching them how to play with other good players is more important than teaching guys a thousand sets. And this is how it should be done because every, every team, every, every player is going to be different. Obviously there's some teams like this year's team was really good in the five out. You know, the previous team was better in, in a four round one, the previous team before that with Bogby was better with a thousand ball screens. You just coach to what you got. And then you hope that you, you pick the right combination and you run with it. And so that's, that's what I, uh, that's what I, um, that's one of my philosophies, especially on the offensive end. And, you know, I, I've been around and I've, I've seen great coaches win a lot of win national championships coaching that way where they're going to, you know, run it a bunch of, hey, we're going to run this. This is how it's going to be ran. And I'm going to be, you know, this is why we won, you know, but it, it comes down to the players and, and being able to get the most out of your, out of your players. And it, you could see it throughout, throughout any, any, any sport. I mean, if you, if, if you guys understand it's a player's program, then I think, those are the programs that usually are very successful. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of successful programs, and I think it's to me, you know, I, I have a military background. I'm in the fire service. Uh, leadership and culture is 
imperative to have a, a successful program. And I feel like just, you know, just looking at this Eastern Washington team, everyone's all in on the mission. And I feel like you had leadership in all the right spots. I felt like everybody accepted their roles on the team. And something that you do, Coach, that I think I think that falls down to, to your guys is you never say I. You always praise your coaches. You always praise your players. Uh, and I feel like that kind of stuff is contagious. Is that culture, is that something that, that that's been developed by the players and passed on, or is that pushed on by the coaches? I think it's, it's just, the, it's the program. It's, it's how we do it. You know, I got, I got some really good coaches who work here. Um, it's not like they work for me. We all work together. And I really do mean that. I, I give them a lot of, they have a lot of say in what goes on in our program. You know, obviously, you know, you read about a bunch of different leadership books and you, you try to go this that way and that way. But again, it's the same as, as you, as you grow as you see different people, you know, my mom, was one of the best leaders I've ever seen. She gave nothing but, you know, praise to everybody else who was around, you know. Um, so you look at things like that and and you, you see that you get more from people when they when they're more involved, when they feel like they're really involved and they believe it and they and they are looking at them and they're involved. Um, it's huge. And even goes when you start with the staff and then obviously it bleeds over to the players. But then you recruit guys like that. You know, you recruit those types of players and you you, you want those types of people that, that work with you and, and, and you, you're able to put a lot of trust into, into Bobby or Dave or in the book or these guys who, you know, who, who've coached with you. you. You put a lot of trust into people and then they, they come out on the other end and they do such a good job for you. It's, 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 it's very rewarding. And then you see the players, you know, one through however many we got on our team 16. And it, it, it shows that, you know, if, if you treat them all with respect, you're honest with them. And they'll they'll buy in. I mean, they all want to win. At the end of the day, everybody in the program wants to win, you know. And if there's a player that thinks all oh, the coaches don't want to win because they feel like such and such, and they're just going to play this guy because that's how it is, that's not how it is. And that's why you know it goes back to recruiting because you know Bobby could be recruiting one kid, Book could be recruiting another, Dave could be recruiting another, and um, you know everyone's recruiting one guy, but then they feel really tied to that. And I've been around, they feel really tied to that recruit. You see what I'm saying? And so now starting from such an early stage, people would start saying, oh, this is my guy. And that's why I make sure they're all recruiting each kid individually. So when they do get here, the players don't feel like, oh, well, Book's my guy or Bobby's my guy. You know, those are my dudes. I could, I could obviously you're going to create bonds, but I feel like you start that early and you recruit the type of kids that, you know, want to win. Obviously everyone has, they're ambitious. They want to be great players. They want to. They want the accolades. They want to be MVP. There's not one player on on that team that wants doesn't want to be an MVP. There's not one coach on the staff that doesn't want to be a head coach. You know, and you want them all to be there, and you want to get them there, and you got to make sure they believe that you want them to do it. Which I do. I want them all to be MVPs, but it's impossible to do that. I want all the coaches that are on staff to be head coaches because that's everybody. You want them to reach their goals and their full potential, and so. You know, if you're not doing that and pushing them towards that, then then they, they can see it, they can feel it. And then that's when you start to get a little, you know, dissent or, or some guys start getting a little, you know, antsy and, and want to do this and that. And so you, you want those guys to believe in what you're preaching. And so, you know, right from the start, right when you go and hire somebody, right when you go and recruit these kids, they got to understand that's that's what we're really pushing for. I want Jacob Davidson to be the MVP, but I also want Kim Aiken to be the MVP. You know, I want you know, still Vincers to be the freshman of the year next year. But I also want 
you know, Madun Bowl to be the freshman of the year. You know, there's a lot of different things. You know, I want those guys to do that. And they just got to go out there and push themselves towards it. And they know that I want that for them. We've recruited. And when I tell the guys we've recruited every one of you guys on this roster, we've recruited every single one of you guys on this roster for a reason. You know, we all think you could be, we, we see you at your very best. And I think they believe that. And, but we, we, we believe it also as coaches. And I feel that's where, you know, um, our culture has been, and I've learned from some coaches before me, which is great. And, and we just keep learning. And so um, it's, it's kind of like a, like when I tell the players when we recruit them and their parents, it's a player's program. And so it's all about the players. If there's no players, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no team, you know, if there's no, um, you know, guys putting in this work, coming in the morning, lifting these weights, doing all this stuff, then you have no squad, you have no team. And so if they know it's all about them, then I feel that they, they're going to always be thankful and grateful that, that they're at Eastern. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a common theme we've seen. I mean, we've been having players on the podcast, like Jason Williams, for example, he came on and talked about his experience when he visited uh, Eastern Washington, he met Cooper cup, who was more than welcoming. And then once he joined the squad, I mean, like you said, it's a player's program. Cooper cup just opened up the playbook to, you know, to, the guys in his wide receiver group to not only make, you know, them better, but them better as a whole. Uh, and, and that's something you just, you just, I mean, it, it's a player's program. You just can't teach that. And once, once you have that going on, man, it's going to be hard to stop the train. It, it is. It definitely is. And, and it's, it's taught. And it's, 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 it's more, it's more being able to see it, see it and see, you know, like if you're a freshman and you see say Mason Peatling come in here on a Sunday afternoon and call and uh, call a guy who's struggling to come into the gym with them and get some shots up with them without any coaches say without anything like that and just gets him going just so he can play good and then he ends up that kid ends up having one of the best weekends of his career and it also propels us on the road to two huge wins that helps us win the league then that, that's that's what it's about and that's the probably a lasting thing that'll that'll go in that freshman's you know in, in his head because we needed him to play great he wasn't playing good he started off playing great, then he struggled, then he ended up playing unbelievable basketball in the last six, seven games of the season. And maybe it was just that one. And again, those are things that go unseen um, from the coaching staff. But at the same time, the players are end up doing that. And we have great leadership um, amongst them. But the assistant coaches are, are huge when it comes to that because they spend enormous amount of time with these young men. And so, yeah, it, it is what it is. But you also see like it around campus. You see our football program, like you mentioned, you should see that they're together. You know, our, our women's soccer team, they're together. I mean, our sport, our sporting programs are huge and they're doing such a good job on all levels. And so um, you see that it's just, it's just how Eastern is. And that's why I've lo- I love being at Eastern. That's why I've still, you know, I've been here for, you know, I'm going to my 13th year now, I believe, I believe it's 13 or 12. And so, yeah. um, but I, I, I love it here. You know, it's, there's, there's nothing, there's no other place I'd rather be. And so when, when you look at it and I think, why can't Eastern be that? Because I think the people we got and the people who work here are special. And I think that it's just not the hoop team. It's, it's pretty much, you know, the, the, the whole athletic department and it's the university in the whole that really pushes itself to be, you know, from what we got to be the best we can be. Yeah. I mean, absolutely coach. That's good stuff. So let, let's uh, transition a little bit. Let's look at this upcoming season more specifically. Let's take a look at the team and because, Eastern did not lose a whole lot to come in this season. Uh, they <laughs> lost, uh, you know, Tyler Kidd and obviously, you know, Mason Peeling. But besides that, I mean, looking at the roster, you have a very young and very talented roster. And just looking at the guards by itself, I mean, 
to me, that's such a nasty combo of guards with Kassan Rouse, Ellis Magnuson, and Michael Meadows. I mean, they continue to push the pace of play, change the pace of play. This will be difficult by itself for any team in the big sky to match up against because you could plug in any one of those guards and it's going to be a problem for a team. And not only can any one of those guards, they could not only create opportunities for themselves, but they create opportunities for everybody uh, on the floor. I mean, last season, they were fourth in the nation assists, averaging mm-hmm. about 17.5 assists per the game. And points-wise, I mean, there were, what, sixth in the nation in scoring, averaging almost 81 points per a game. Uh, that's going to be absolute trouble. Kim Aiken Jr., you can put him anywhere on the court, an absolute threat beyond the arc inside. Mm-hmm. Jacob Davison, uh, in my opinion, I think he, him and Kim Aiken Jr. are going to be candidates for Big Sky MVPs. Tanner Groves, who was averaging, you know, 10 minutes per game last season, some crucial minutes last season. He's going to see a huge uptick in workload. And uh, Jacob Groves is another one. And I know I'm forgetting some names, Coach, so please, you know, clean it up for me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no worries. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about the team. You know, coaches are told don't talk about the team, this and that. But I, I'm always I'm always want to pump my guys up man, because they, they deserve it, you know. When you look at it, you know, Tyler Kidd, even though he didn't play, was a huge part of our success um, the year before. He was our starting point guard, and he did a very good job. And this year, obviously, um, you know, we we are, are we had a couple guys that came in and, and, and really battled and, and fought for that position, and they did a good job. And, you know, you got to play the best players. And so um, I thought at, at the time, even though, you know, you're losing Mason and you're losing Tyler Kidd, you're gaining so much, you know, you're gaining so much um, from, from the guys that set up, but also you're gaining from the guys that were playing this year, you know? And so when you look at the stats and everything like that, you, you know, you got 89% of our made three pointers will be coming back from, from last season. You got 75% of our total rebounds. You got 78% of our total assists. You got 75% of our scoring all coming back next year. And now you're looking at the numbers and you're like, man, you got a really good team coming back. Like you said, Kim and Kim and Jacob, Kim and Jacob are, are going. You know, they they have a chance to be MVP candidates. I mean, I'm Jacob's probably, and I, I'll go on a limb, but Jacob's probably one of the top ten scorers in the country. You know, I think he's the he's one of the guys that can't be guarded. I mean, he he's especially how we play and how he plays. He's unguardable. You know, I I think he he he's one of not just in the big sky, but the whole entire country. You know. Um, and then Kim Aiken also is one of the most versatile guys in the whole country, not just the big sky again, but the whole country, I believe. And so, you know, when you got those types of guys and then you got guys like Jack Perry, who, who, you know, was, was unbelievable, was, was like a coach on the floor. Obviously his father's a coach, but he understands the game. I'm trying to recruit him now to come back and coach with us um, when he's done playing. So I'm doing, I'm trying my best job to get him back. Um, to coach, but I know he wants to go play. But he he's an unbelievable player. He shoots the three. He handles the ball. He's he's basically, you know, he could be any anything we want on the court. Um, when it comes to the a guard, he's a great, he's a great shooter, great ball handler, great passer. So he really does that good. Um, he does that really well. I mean, and he he does a lot of things that that really go unnoticed a lot of the times. And then obviously you got guys like like you said, our freshmen and our guards and Kassan, Ellis and Michael. And then you got Steel Venters who is coming on, who who's, who sat out last year as a redshirt. He's a six-seven guard that a lot of people are going to re- really notice and see that see how good he is. Um, he has a chance to be really good. And then you got Tanner Groves, who I think, um, you know, I, I, I you know I don't mind putting targets on my guys back. I think he'll be one of the best bigs in the league. 
Okay, I told I told everybody right from the beginning of the season last year that Mason was the best big player in the league. You know, I didn't know he was going to be the MVP, but I knew he was the best big in the league. Tanner's right there. I, you know, I go through the league all the time. I, I watch the recruiting. I watch all this and that. Tanner had to go against Mason for the last two years in practice every single day. Never cried, never complained, never moaned, never became this. I should be doing this. And he would have great days in practice where he would just unstoppable, like can't stop and can't guard him. But then the games go and then Mason plays, you know, and then if Mason gets a foul trouble, Tanner plays. And that's just how it went for two years with Tanner. And so, you know, did he did he cry, complain, mope? No, he he sat there, got better. And now it's his turn. And that's what you look for in a program. Nowadays, kids transfer over anything. You tell a kid bad shot, he's leaving. It's like, you know, it's tough. But Tanner's not like that. Tanner's a great, great young man who's go, who's got a lot of goals, and I think he's he has a chance to be, if not the best player, best big in the league, he has a chance to be one of the better players in the league, and that's going to show a lot of. He's, I mean, he's a really, really good player. I'm really high on Tanner and his work ethic and everything he's done till till this point, and so I'm excited to see what he can do. And then you got Jacob Groves, who. In my whole mind, all all last year, while recruiting him, um, the summertime, um, started practice, he was redshirted. And then he just was playing so well. You just said you can't redshirt this kid because there's going to be games. We're going to need him. And, you know, he was one high. I talked to his parents. I talked to him. I talked to his brother. He was redshirting. I mean, that that was it. I was redshirting him. And it came to a point where it was like, hey, you know what? We can't redshirt him. He's got to play. And, you know, he ended up doing some really good things for us last year. And then Tyler, Tyler Groves, I mean, Tyler Groves, Tyler Robertson, another kid from Australia who's really good, played huge in some big games. I mean, we needed him to come up big in, in this in, in our game against Northern Colorado. And he came up huge, two charges, made, you know, made some great passes, did a great job defensively, even though that wasn't his forte, but that's how he got on the court. And so he did a great job there. And so. You know, and then we got Abdul Muhammad, who I think is going to be a pretty good post in his own right. But he's got to get, you know, stronger. He's got to get um, a little tougher in, in certain areas. But he's he's getting there too. And so you look at the roster, and you just go up and down it. And, and I'm looking at it, and I, I feel that we're we're going to be pretty good. Now we'll be young, yeah, but we only had two seniors this last year, and we're going to have two seniors this year. And so when you look at our roster, it's been built pretty well um, to the fact that we're going to have guys, you know, from here on. For, for some time now that, you know, spaced out perfectly with red shirts and those types of deals. And, you know, I really like the the team we have coming in. Obviously there's, there's teams like Weber state who's loaded up with, with transfers. And there's teams like Montana that's got a couple of transfers and had some guys sitting out. Uh, but you look at those teams and, and our team, you know, we should have the, have the chemistry ahead of these guys, because especially now, since we haven't been around each other and no one's been able to work with their teams, we should have that chemistry factor. I'm ahead of some of these other teams. And so looking at our roster, looking at our team, I'm excited about what we have and what we have coming back. And, you know, we, we lose an MVP, uh, but we've lost we've lost two of those before Mason. And so we, we seem to always re-up with, with some really good players. Yeah, well, I, I think, too, when, when you're you, – especially Easter, when you lose an MVP, right, he's averaging almost a double-double. But I think it goes a lot back to your style of play, just letting guys play. It's not like set plays. Uh, so you're able to create opportunities for, you know, other players. And taking a look yeah. at the roster of – the roster that you built, can you talk about the three signees Eastern Washington had uh, signed down on National Signing Day? Yeah, so we have – kid named Victor Radakash, who is a uh, 6'10 um, guard, forward post, 
from Canada. <laughs> he plays. He plays pretty much um, on the perimeter. He played for their national team uh, for Canada's national team. And if you look at it, Canada has a really good national team. Um, he played for the sixteen, the seventeen U team. Uh, he's a really good player. And then you got a kid. You know, we 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 had an early signing too in Kalen O'Neill, and he's one of those guys that um, Kalen O'Neill. He's he's kind. Of, he reminds me a lot of Kim. Um, where he is, he's more of a guard though than Kim. Kim's more of a he can guard one through five. This guy can guard anybody on the perimeter or a, or a post that's kind of you know wants to pick and pop and do all those things. So he's 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 got a lot of skills. He's very athletic. Comes from Oregon, and then you get a kid like Madum Bowl, who I feel is going to be in that mold of like Jacob Davidson, where he can go out and get a bucket. I mean, he's a he's a scorer. Um, you know, I think a lot of people you know looked the mo- looked over him because he's so he's like skinny. He's about a hundred. 55 pounds, I believe, right now. But so is Jacob coming into so is Jacob and Tyler Harvey coming into school here. But what he does is he can score on all three levels. And when I say all three levels, he can get to the basket, he can get a pull-up jumper, he can shoot the three. And throughout his whole high school, you know, career, he was, you know, whenever you went and watched the kid or anything like that, you'd always hear these things. Well, he's a selfish guy. He he takes bad shots. But if you watched his high school team, he had to take those shots because if it if he wasn't shooting. A lot of the times that ball wasn't getting to the basket. And so um, so he had to take those shots. And you just got to figure that if he's playing one-on-one or doing things like that against a, a defense with four that got good players on the floor, he'll be pretty good. And then you got Isaiah Amato, who, um, if you guys remember, Drew Brandon um, from, from our tournament year in 2015, that he reminds me a lot of Drew Brandon um, with the size of about 6'5 and a half point guard that could pretty much play any position on the perimeter for us also. And so you bring in, you know, four versatile guys that could really pretty much be put in any position um, that they're, they're kind of position lists. It really puts us in a, in a great spot to be able to, Hey, and maybe we're going to redshirt some of these, these kids, but at the same time, they have that opportunity to come in here and play if they outplay the guys ahead of them, just like Jake Groves did. And, and so, um, you know, they're really good, though. I'm looking forward to getting them on campus. I just hope we can get them on campus sooner than later. Um, but they're, they're really good. They're really good prospects for us. Yeah, you, you talk about having, you know, recruiting versatile players. I mean, that seems like to be a common theme. I mean, a lot of the players in your roster, you could plug them in multiple spots. And that's just a matchup nightmare uh, for teams, yeah. especially once they start getting in foul trouble, too, uh, later in the game. Yes, I mean that's huge. That's huge for us. I mean, if you watched if you watch Mason when he first got here, he was just strictly a post player, and then we turned him into one of the guys who who were top you know top ten in assists, top ten in rebounds. You know, he, he did a great job of of doing anything we asked him. He was driving the ball from the perimeter. If you know, you watch, you talk to those guys we recruited him from in Australia, and they they say, "Man, what did you guys do to him?" You know, no, he became <laughs> he worked on his game. Like he became a guy that could put the ball on the floor. He became a guy that can shoot the ball. He became a guy that can really, really pass. And so if you watch us play, if you watch us play last year, the ball was in his hands sometimes at the top of the key, and he was making the right read and the right pass. He wasn't just a guy who would catch the ball on the block and score or a guy that would, you know, set the ball screen and roll. You know, he made some huge shots for us this year, you know, that put us into overtime, that that really made our team um, click. And, you know, you need versatile guys for that. You know, we, we've been – there's going to be certain teams that – you know, oh, your only job is to shoot. I don't. I, I feel like you can you can shoot, but you could also you should also be able to dribble. You know, you're 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 a basketball player. Just don't do one thing. And so we work on all those skills while they're here. And it's like I tell kids when you recruit, you come to Eastern Washington for three things. You come for 
if you're going to be a basketball player. You come to get better at basketball, you come to get your academics, and you come to hang out with your friends. Those are the three things, or your teammates, and, and those are the three things that you're going to get while at Eastern, and it's a great experience. And and so those are the things that we really recruit for is, is very much guys that can do pretty much anything on the floor if they had to. Um, you know, if, if somebody gets in foul trouble, then you got to be able to do this. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll see games where we had Mason bring the ball up this last year, you know, and I feel Tanner I, I will remember, be able to do that. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll be able to, I, I tell you, I'll tell you what, Tanner, Tanner's not far behind that. And he, you know, he doesn't look like it, but you know, cause of how big he is, but he's going to be able to do that. And so say you're playing against a team that has crazy amount of ball pressure and guard and, and, and do such a good job on the ball. And you just throw the ball to your five man because he can bring the ball up to court and get us in the offense. That makes life easy on everybody. And so, you know, I, I want to make the game, you know, easy and fun for all the guys. And, you know, when we work on post-workout, we make sure that the, the guards work on post stuff. And when we work on guard stuff, we make sure the bigs work on that. And I feel that they, that's how they get better. And I feel like that's how they feel like their games expanded and they're learning how to play. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, yeah, we since we're running up on a little bit of, you know, past an hour, we just have kind of one more question for you. Uh, so mm-hmm. the Big Sky released last week that the conference will be going back to a 16 conference game schedule instead of 20. You know, we were doing that about five or so years ago anyway. Yeah. How does, how does that affect you guys? Because I'm sure now you have to, you know, call more teams to try and schedule some more out-of-conference games. Um, or is it just business as usual? Do you think maybe we'll be able to play in more um, early tournaments in the out-of-conference because those are always kind of fun to watch um, since it will open up maybe a, another week or so. Yeah, and so it, 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 you know, I was here, luckily I was here when they did the 16, you know, you you get you get kind of, you get kind of, you know, not blindsided, but this is what happens, so you, you have to go find some more games, and so, you know, our schedule, you know, I've always, I've always done it, you guys can look back, is I love to play these games, I love to play big games like that, like, you know, this year so far we have USC, we have Notre Dame, you know, we have something set up with St. Mary's, you know, we're trying to get, you know, something set up with Oregon. We're trying to get some, we got Washington state, you know, we, we have a huge, huge schedule. Yeah. Now we got to go find some more games. And so, you know, that's, that's not going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be business as usual, but you got to go find more games. And it's been hard to, to get games, not just because of, you know, the, 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 the COVID and, and all that. It's, it's just that, you know, some teams don't want to play, you know, and it, it's yeah. hard to get games, um, and it's just for, you know, a lot of teams that are, you know, good trying to go find games. They don't want to play. And sometimes you've you, you got to go play teams that no one wants to play and, and just go learn about yourselves. And, and I love those types of games. And so, you know, I think we're going into the business as usual, but it's going to be a fun schedule. I'm still trying to grab a couple teams, a local team that we can go play against. Um, you know, I'm trying to get every game possible. Uh, that they'll make the they'll make it a lot of fun for us, obviously, to to, to be a part of, you know. You know, a lot of people say, well, you're crazy to go play these games. Your record's going to get hit. But I also look at it as there's an opportunity for us to go get better. And there's an opportunity for us to go beat some of these big teams because I do think we're pretty good next year. So, you know, if this was a, an experienced team that I thought, you know, is going to struggle, then I probably wouldn't go, you know, gun ho with with all this and <laughs> and say, hey, let's go. Let's go into let's go play, you know, Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Let's go do that. But, you know, who's going to get to see the Golden Dome? You know, who's going to you know, yeah. some of these guys won't you know, get to go see some of these things. This is awesome. You know, these are, these are some of the things that, you know, you, you look at and, you know, you'll remember experience for your lifetime. And so I, I like doing things like that. I love games like that. You know, I want to go coach against, you know, the best. I mean, I got to sit, sit across from Jim Beheim, you know, one of the guys that, 
you know, I've always looked up to as a coach, they beat the brakes off us, but you know, it was something <laughs> fun for us. You know, <laughs> that's when you say, oh, that team was a little bit inexperienced, but it was a lot of fun for us. And so, you know, it's, our schedule is going to be good this year. You know, it's going to be business as usual. We just got to go find some more games. I think it's, it's, it's very smart by the conference to, to, to try to, you know, have us help and save money um, for what we're trying to do um, with our schedule. And so we just got to go, you know, find some games now. And right now I like the teams we have, but we also have to go and maybe get, get a couple more games that are going to be on the road, but it'll be fun games for the fans to watch and fun games for us to be a part of. No, I, I love it. And I, I love how aggressive you are being when it's coming to schedule, when you were starting to name some of those teams, man, that got me excited already. And, and yeah. basketball season's still a while away. So, um, Hey, Coach Leggins, we appreciate you jumping on the podcast today. Uh, we want you to let the fans know where they can find you on social media um, before we kind of let you go and wish you good luck on next season. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, I think I just have, I have Twitter. That's the only, uh, that's the thing I like, I use all the time. It's, it's Coach Legs, I believe, <laughs> I think. Yeah, it's, um, it's easy enough. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. I believe, I believe. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. Um, but like I said, you know, you guys do such a good job and I, I really do like listening to your podcast. I think you do a great job on just not Eastern, but you guys do different things. You're talking about Big Sky and you bring on some pretty good guests. And, and I, I, I really do like uh, uh, listening to you guys. So you guys keep doing it, man, because there's not a lot out there uh, with, with, you know, not just Eastern, but Big Sky content. And so when you do get it, you know, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people listen to you. So um, appreciate the work you guys do, and, and I'm glad to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, I could only see this growing from here. I, I really do. You guys have gotten more guests. You guys have been doing such a good job. And so, you know, it ain't like it's 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 BS content. It's fun to listen to, and, and you get a pretty good insight about Eastern athletics, and I appreciate what you guys are doing. Now, we appreciate all that, um, you know, positive feedback. We're just two fans who have a good time. So, yeah, Rusty – Sign us off. Tell us where they can find us and all that jazz like normal. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at mid fourth rounder. Find uh, Kyler on Twitter as well. Katie Neal underscore 88. So you can find us on all our podcast platforms. Just one quick shout out before uh, we sign off. Uh, shout out to coach Nick Booker going to uh, UC yeah. San Diego back to his uh, California roots. He's been nothing but a, a class act. Uh, ever all my interactions with him came on the podcast. It was an outstanding guy. He did have yeah. one thing that surprised me. He he did prefer a carne asada burrito over like a ho dads or an in and out burger. But hey, besides I'm, that, I'm with you on that. I saw that. I'm with you. I can't believe you said that. Come on, man. But you know, you know, I'm from California. I know what he's talking about, but nah, ain't nothing like those. And I'm with you on that, you know? Um, but also on, on the Nick Booker thing, I just like to say he, he was great, great to us. Um, you know, he's a great coach. He's going to do great. You know, sometimes, um good things come to an end he was unbelievable here uh he he did a lot of things that uh you know go unnoticed and he he was he's a big part of who we are as a team in a school right now we're, I mean, we're nothing we can't be more happy for him um to be able to get back closer to home and be with with the love his loved ones which is huge for us um he, he's become one of my best well shoot before this he was one of my closest friends and so you know um, having him leave is going to be tough but you know, the show's going to go on, and uh, but but he boy, he was uh, he was great to have here, and he was great to be around. So yeah, thank you for making sure that 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 got out there too. But yeah, corny aside, over in and out is tough, man. I'm 
I'm 100% with you on that one. <laughs> right on. Hey, thanks, Coach. Go Eags. All right, go Eags, man. Thanks for having me.